Welcome to Suburban Small Business. Today is going to be a little bit different episode than I've been. I hope you've enjoyed the Leadership Wiley series, but today will be my first solo episode. So uh, I will discuss what's going on uh, with Suburban Small Business and what to expect going forward. Uh, this is new to me, uh, completely just talking into a microphone. Uh, I've never done this before uh, by myself, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, I guess I should introduce myself, considering I've never done that before on an episode. I am Stephen Payton. Uh, I own my own business, uh, Emosis Consulting, um, and what we do is primarily accounting and bookkeeping uh, and fractional CFO services for nonprofits. Uh, we also service other industries, but nonprofits is mostly what we do. Um, why I started this uh, is because of uh, the Leadership Wiley program. I wanted to have an opportunity to reach out to the people within Leadership Wiley and give them a chance to get to know each other. Uh, so we've started like that, but uh, since starting it, I've had several ideas pop into my head, uh, and I'm going to pursue them uh, because I like to pursue new ideas. So this podcast has become somewhat of a hobby of mine. Uh, so one of the ideas, uh, which will be played at the end of this episode is something that I am calling business book club, uh, where me and other Steven, Steven O'Burn, um, uh, who works with me, uh, will read a book, uh, and then we will discuss it here on the podcast, uh, in a podcast conversation. Uh, one, so we can learn it Two, uh, so we can talk about it. Uh, and we're going to try and implement things we learn into our company, and um, you'll be able to hear how it's going uh, and what we took away from the book. Uh, the first book is uh, How to Sell a CPA Firm, uh, which may not be relevant to everybody, but I encourage you to stick around and listen uh, because it's not necessarily the specifics of selling a CPA firm and more having a mindset of building a business that is potentially sellable. Uh, I'm not trying to sell my business by any means, but if I, if I build a business, uh, that's able to be sold, that would be a good business to hold for myself as well. So I'm uh, thinking uh, what's the peak uh, of a business is one that somebody wants to buy. Uh, so that's what we're why we read that one. Uh, in the future, we're going to be doing other books. Our first one, our next one's going to be Deep Work by Cal Newport, if anybody wants to read that before listening to our episode. So what else, what else am I going to talk about on the podcast? Um, what am I doing in my business? Uh, probably we'll have a few episodes like this, solo episodes in which I discuss what's going on in my business or maybe potential stories of things that have happened with my clients. Um, of course, completely anonymous, um, but still talking to other business owners about what's going on in their businesses. I will definitely be continuing the Leadership Wiley series. Uh, we're about halfway through uh, class 20 uh, in terms of recordings and we'll hopefully have everybody on, um, but we will continue to record those and publish them. But once we're done with the class 20, I hope to continue to interview business owners um, through, through my network and uh, continue to uh, have conversations about what's going on in their business, learn more about the business owners and see what's happening. Um, why the name suburban small business? A couple reasons. One, that's mostly who I serve a lot of suburban small businesses, but also I am a suburban small business. Uh, I live in Wiley, Texas, as you probably have assumed if uh, you've listened to the Leadership Wiley series. 
Um, and I am a suburban small business owner. I've got two kids, a three-year-old and a one-year-old living that awesome suburban life. Um, and so it's partially me talking to other business owners and partially me learning how to do it myself. Um, something I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, but I'm going to use this podcast as a way to publicly declare things I want to get done and uh, use it as a way to keep myself accountable, uh, but also as a way to connect with others and learn more about them. Uh, without, with that being said, uh, if anybody has any nonprofits who need accounting services, I'd be happy to help them. Uh, my contact information is contact at mmosis.com. Uh, where, where that name came from is probably another episode. Um, you can find out on my website at mmosis.com. Uh, emosis is how I pronounce that. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and publish the, our first business book club episode with me and Stephen O'Byrne. Hope you enjoy. And I don't have any, uh, transition music, so I'm just going to make a sound effect. Swoosh. Welcome to a new uh, new type of podcast on this podcast feed. We're going to be calling this Business Book Club, where me and other Stephen, uh, Stephen O'Byrne. Uh, hey, I'm Stephen Payton. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm Stephen O'Byrne. There we go. <laughs> so we'll just be O'Byrne and Payton if we need to refer to ourselves anymore, because, uh, yeah, it could get confusing just saying, hey, Stephen. Oh, hey, Stephen. Uh, so we'll just we'll skip right over that and just go with our last names to make it easier. Um, we'll be discussing a book that we read uh, together, but separately, um, and uh, kind of going over our takeaways and whether other people should consider reading it. Uh, in today's episode, we'll be talking over a uh, very, very short book, uh, more of a pamphlet, um, uh, The Prepare Your CPA Firm for a Sale, How to Reduce Owner Hours, Increase Profitability, and Transform Your Practice by Brandon Poe. Uh, full disclosure, Brandon Poe, uh, owns a business that sells accounting practices. Um, so one, he knows what he's talking about and two, probably a, a, a lead gen tool for him. Um, but it doesn't make it any less valuable. Um, but just that is important to note whenever we're talking about this book, cause O'Byrne, how, how many pages was it? Do you remember? Oh, it was probably... It was definitely less than a hundred. It was in the fifties, um, I think. It's like fifty-six yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I was gonna guess probably like sixty, seventy, but you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, you know, you it know, it's very short. You know, you're gonna rip through it when my Kindle says your estimated time to finish is an hour, which is impressive yeah. for me because I am not a very quick reader. No, just persistent. But it was it was a very quick read. So yeah, it went surprisingly quick. Um, so this book was two dollars on the kindle store um yes and uh took an hour to read uh so overall impressions was it worth the two dollars an hour you spent reading it yeah so if if we're talking bang for your buck quite literally a buck uh then yes i think i think it brings up some some good thoughts some good questions uh you know for the price so i i don't feel like my two bucks is wasted no. <laughs> yeah, same here. And th this is how we've decided to rate things is was it worth it? Because O'Byrne and I have both decided we're terrible at rating things on a scale of one to five. Uh, I <laughs> I generally have a sunny outlook on life. So most of my books end up as fours <laughs> and fives. Um, yeah. And uh, so 
yeah, the right. was it worth it is a better question I, for us. I, I, yes yeah, or I think no. I think for me, yeah, it's just thumbs up, thumbs down. And when you factor price into it, I'll give it a thumbs up. So yeah, <laughs> I would say it's probably specifically geared towards CPA firms if you're uh, if you're an accountant. Although you could yeah. get lessons for other businesses, I would say it's definitely geared yeah. towards CPA. I, I, he does talk about accounting firms, but I would say you could use this across pretty much in the in industry. So yeah. Yeah, I do. When he when he talks specifics, it's pretty specific too. But the right. the general lessons and themes I pulled out, yeah, I think would be applicable no matter what kind of business you're looking at. Um, right. The uh, yeah the it was yeah there was just good overall advice. Um, yeah, the, good good advice. It was as we said, really short. I would say the only thing that's, you know, a minor annoyance kind of is, as you said, it's kind of like a lead to his uh, website and blogs uh, occasionally. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah. Which really this is not the most salesy book I've ever read. Uh, there's definitely been a lot more that have been uh, generating leads to the website. I do find, I did find the value to overweigh the, um, the links. And I think the links were intentionally there for, Yes, it could be legit, but it did seem helpful. Like the oh, there was, for sure. None of the links were like sell your business right now yeah. to us. And... It, it, occasionally be like at the end of the chapter, just be like, Hey, if you want more resources or information, just you know, check out our blog at you know X website. Yeah. Or whatever. So Which even when they did that, I did appreciate it because they avoided uh going into the nitty gritty when they didn't need to. They kept it at a high level. Um sure. and that if you wanted to go dig more into that specific topic they could you could do so yeah. um but yeah like i said i have i have read some other uh books that were lead gen and you could tell and i felt like there was zero value and it was just so you could come to their website and buy their program and you're like <laughs> i feel dirty yeah. this i did not have that feeling <laughs> with this one i felt no no like like i said it was extremely minor like very minor con on this book like to the point where yeah, it definitely wasn't distracting at all. <clears throat> yeah. So obviously we work together um for the for Emosis Consulting. Um the uh prior to reading this book, had you thought in any way about like business ownership and, and things of that nature? No, I actually haven't. Um and so especially because we're we're still pretty young in our careers here. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, this this book kind of takes you into like the overall vision of what you want your uh, business to be mm -hmm. at the at the end uh, when you sell it. So these are things that I hadn't really considered at all. Yeah. Actually. So uh, it was really nice uh, uh, getting his thoughts. And so as we move forward in our careers, uh, you know, there's a lot of things to consider when when building up the business uh here at the front end versus mm -hmm. halfway through or at the tail end of our career just being like oh my gosh like what do we need to do yeah so yeah i guess i should be clear the reason we re read this book wasn't exactly because i want to sell the cpa firm tomorrow <laughs> it was more you want to uh it gives a good target of what a firm that is an attractive firm looks like so um, it, that's why I wanted to read it was not necessarily to sell my business today. Um, but just have that vision of, Hey, what are other people 
looking for an accounting firm and how can we sure. build it in that way? Because if I build a firm that's attractive for sale, it's also probably attractive for me to be a part of it. Um, and how do we build it in that direction? And the old Stephen Covey saying of start with the end in mind, um, you know, selling the company is not out off the table in the future. It's not on the table right now, but if that is something I'm considering at some point in the future, might as well have at least a little bit of knowledge of how the process sure. works and how to get yeah. maximize uh, my time to build towards something that is uh, worth something to somebody. Definitely. So let's uh, let's dive in a little bit onto uh, our takeaways. Would yeah. you like to go first on one of your takeaways? Sure. I, I guess we should. Uh, I should explain how we're going to do this. Is we both separately came up with our uh, with three or more takeaways, and we're just kind of kind of back and forth uh, between our various takeaways. So, um, O'Burn, the floor is yours. Yeah. So he kind of he kind of gets in you know right away at the beginning, and the the idea is: Are you setting the buyer up for success in the modern era? And I think he even kind of uses a uh, an example of. You know, hey, is your is your firm stuck in 1965? If someone walks in the building, like what are they going to see? And and so, in by success in the modern era, like we look at where some of these accounting firms are going. Like, are they moving to uh, being a cloud firm? You know, everything's digital. You know, are or or do you have stacks of paper everywhere? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, bank statements that you're you know going across town picking up from the clients or you know, do you have the technology implemented to where they can just upload their documents, you know, through through email or through a portal of some sort? Um, you know, how's your data organization? Uh, how's your internal processes going? You know, like what like what are you doing in your organization that's, you know, setting the buyer up for almost like a turnkey, you know, type operation, mm -hmm. you know, when you hand it over to them, and uh, you know, also is is your firm you know owner dependent you know this yeah like i think you even said you know this isn't you know it's not the 1960s where you know the owner is working 90 hours a week you know people in the modern era aren't willing to do that you know as often and um and so yeah it's just do are you getting all the things together to basically just yeah set the buyer up to where it's just easy for them to take over and make money for themselves. So, yeah. Yeah. I think on the owner hours part, you know, if you are working a ton of hours as the owner and you want to sell and leave the business, that's a huge void to leave behind. Um, so just to, from a getting the work done perspective, if you're working a ton of hours, somebody's not going to be interested in buying your business because then they'll have to do that to start off. And it's probably going to take them longer to do things than it took you. And even if you yeah. hire someone, it's not the same as, uh, as, as the owner doing it. So, um, yeah. I think that for sure, I think, uh, for us, for how we're building it, we're, we're doing cloud-based, like it, we're not even considering the, uh, if you can't do stuff over Try. the internet, it's not <laughs> going to be a good fit for us. Yep. Um, I will say it's somewhat, um, I think I heard it referred to at once as cloud-based in-person enhanced or something like that. Um, so there are a few clients that I will go on, on site because frankly, it's just easier to point to stuff um, and have a conversation in person. 
Um, but with Zoom and stuff, we're Zooming right now, and you don't live in the DFW area, so I'm not um, anymore. <laughs> we're able, yeah, we're able to do this completely remotely. Um, and if somebody wants to have an old school option where they bring their box of receipts or their printed bank statements, um, there's people who will do that. It's not us though. We that would not be a good fit in terms of a client for us because if you're not able to give us what we need electronically. Um, I don't have any filing cabinets. All of our filing is done online. So um, I wouldn't know what to do with your pieces of paper. <laughs> no. I mean, I would, but it's not preferred and probably not a good fit for us as a client. No. And I would, I would say even over the past you know decade, we were both in public accounting. Even, mm-hmm. even the major public accounting firms have uh, gotten away or done away with paper over the last yeah. 10 years. So... <clears throat> Yeah, in public accounting, I would only print print things whenever like I wanted to review a report. Sure. And yeah. I felt like reading off a screen was gonna hurt my eyes. So I just well, yeah, I wanted to like, mark it up. Yeah, um, sometimes it's a lot easier to put an actual pin to a paper in that case. Yeah. <laughs> but I will tell you that with a client that recently went through an audit, I downloaded that uh audit report to my remarkable tablet and was able to read off of that and mark it up like it's a pen and paper so like even that has gone away so um so yeah now i'm completely digital (laughs) in some way shape or form and uh yeah i don't anticipate in that uh changing anytime soon yeah for sure um one of my themes that i pulled out was building your vision so the idea of running towards something versus running away from something and yeah. being clear on your goals of selling uh, is this uh, really goes to life in general uh, of having a clear uh, path goal um, yeah. North star. Um, the more specific you can set the target, the more prepared you will be. Um, and he also made a mention of know the answer to what's your time frame. That's more specific yeah. to selling. But I think, the overarching idea of running towards something versus running away from something. If you're miserable in your business and that's the reason why you want to sell, uh, guess what? No one wants to buy your, your misery. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Your business is not going to sell for the, the, uh, top dollar that you want. Um, and which is part of the reason we did this exercise is like, how do we build a firm that doesn't, that doesn't bring me misery. It doesn't bring you misery. It brings us, uh, you know, something that we're excited to work on and excited to build. Um, so having something to run towards. So if I'm selling because I want to do X, Y, and Z, it's a lot better than I want to sell because I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just done. I'm over it. Like no one wants to buy the business that you're over. Uh, because then they get into it and take on all those same stresses. Right. Uh, so building your vision, uh, was, uh, one of the themes I brought up. Yeah. And, and when, when he talks about basically, you know, going towards that vision, it, it makes you question every little thing that you're doing starting now, like, mm-hmm. Hey, is this new piece of technology that we're about to do? Is this advancing us towards that goal? Or mm-hmm. is this new client proposal? Is this advancing us towards that goal? Because if if you have a proposal for a new client that has nothing to do with the, you know, the industry or or whatever type of service that you see yourself doing at the end, uh, you know, he says, uh, he kind of just, you know, he wants you to question yourself, like, is this worth it? Is this, what is this doing for us? Yes. 
And sometimes taking a client outside of the industry you want to work in is okay. And sometimes yeah. bending your own rules to bring on a client can be okay. But you have to ask that question to make sure, yes, I am okay with that. And not just going, okay, well, that that means more money. Therefore, yes. Uh, because not all clients are made equally. Some are better than others. Um, and it's, uh, you know, you could, you could have an awesome client at a high dollar value, or you could have a terrible client at a low dollar value that takes up most of your time. You know, you gotta be, you gotta be ready. Um, you gotta be, uh, but you gotta build towards that vision and make sure you're asking the question of, does this serve us long-term or am I taking a short-term money? money grab right right definitely so, and, you know if, if if you need the cash flow i mean I, I guess you know go for it but yeah but yeah you, you know every everything we do definitely needs to have that end goal in mind yes sure. yes and maybe the cash grab is more of a short-term limited thing yeah but also i don't want to be in that position luckily uh we haven't been in that position so um uh, that's that's a that's a dangerous position to be in as if you it, it is to make the sale or that, that, that's money. yeah because then you're in desperation mode at that point yeah and people can smell desperation <laughs> yes and i think even oh i thought he mentioned the book something around the you know if if you're not getting about 50 percent of your proposals you're you're doing it wrong you know for, yeah, for various yeah reasons. On pricing that yeah that might be pricing related but uh-huh. yeah i think know, he they, said if you're if you're not losing 50% of your proposals, your price too low. Right. So basically, you know, yeah, if you're just desperate and lowballing, that's <laughs> it's not yeah. a good spot. Well, and also like this is a mindset shift I've had to have because I've been a big saver in my life and really I've I've come to the realization of if I want good service, I'm going to have to pay a premium price. Like I would expect somebody to want to pay a premium price to work with us. Cause I think we do a good job. Sure. Um, I need to have that same attitude towards others who are providing their services and running their small businesses and like running my own business has definitely changed that perspective. Cause you know, there would be a time where I was looking for the best deal. And now, yes, I I'm, I'm conscious of not overspending or something, but I definitely want to pay. I'll pay a premium price for a premium product. Um, sure. Absolutely. Or service. I don't really buy a whole lot of products. <laughs> Other than books. That's, that's why yeah. we're here. <laughs> well, books even, I go library. So yeah, but, but like I do, um, you know, if, if you use something a lot, like you should be willing to pay. Sure. And people use accounting firms a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, if the ca- accounting firm is able to communicate on time and and provides you what you need, like the finding the cheapest option is not always the best option. No, uh, yeah, absolutely. You want that value, mm-hmm. the the bang for your buck. Yeah, and same oh. from our side. Like if if somebody's looking for the cheapest option, like we're not it. And That's true. Yeah. and we rule we rule that out with you know minimums and saying hey we're not going to do it for less than this. Um, and that rules people out and that's okay. Maybe they come back at another time when they need better, higher service, but sure. Absolutely. That's okay. Yeah. So what's the, what's the next on your list? Next on my list, uh, it is 
bookkeeping is king slash delegate. Uh, that's not to say that you should be bookkeeping, but the the book kind of says that, you know, CPAs often shun book bookkeeping practices as if it's beneath them. Mm-hmm. But he also said it's among their best sellers. Mm-hmm. And that's because they're very highly automated and you can delegate work to less experienced staff. And yep. so I think that's kind of what he was kind of going after there was um, the more work you have that you as an owner can delegate to people who, you know, might not have an accounting background or might not have, uh, you know, any college degree whatsoever. Uh, the more you can delegate to them, the easier it is on you and yes. the more attractive it is to a buyer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you use your professional staff as a review point rather than doing the manual work of input. Yeah. Um, and so they're they're looking big picture and making sure every the ship is steering in the right c- direction and you have those safeguards, but you also are not uh, you, spending your time categorizing things one by one. Um, that work is yeah. mostly done by and um, and uh, lower level staff. And and even in the case of uh, you know like us where we're both CPAs, but uh, the use of automation itself mm-hmm. you know saves time creates capacity for us mm-hmm. to do more things. Yeah. So. Yeah. And trying to figure out what the right amount of automation and how to make make sure the automation is doing what we think it's supposed to be doing and, and using those things to make things as efficient on our end as possible. while also making uh, maintaining the accuracy of the financials and making sure that everything is going correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the idea of this point was, yeah, Delegate as much as you can. And, you know, it's, it's not to say that he's not saying you should, you know, you know, be in bookkeeping or or whatever you want to do. Because mm-hmm. if tax returns is your thing, that's fine. But create as much work as you can that you can delegate to less experienced staff. Yeah. Yeah. And delegation is always a hard thing to do, especially when you're do it like you're like, oh, well, I can do it. I can do it so much faster or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, that's yes. such a, like, that's such a short term perspective. It like, is. Yes. I can do it faster right now. And maybe even in six months, I can still do it faster. But the question should be, is this bringing value to the long-term vision of the firm again? Or right. is this me spending time on something that I could easily delegate to somebody else? Definitely. You know, anyone, so we, we both have a, public accounting audit background anyone who's who's been in that industry you know w- when you're the lead on a on a client like yeah sometimes that first job where you have that first year first year staff or an intern it's really annoying to 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 teach you know the staff or intern how mm-hmm. how to do certain certain procedures and in my shoot in my double or triple you know the time budget on that particular area. But mm-hmm. after you do it the first time, you know, so suddenly you can sit back and let them do it. The next few clients, they get better and better. And, you know, after about, you know, a month or two, your, your life suddenly is way easier now mm-hmm. that you've actually spent the time to train your staff how to do something. Yeah. I recently uh, was on the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast. <laughs> and one of the things he told me is it's he they refer to it as slowing down to speed up. Yes, you have to slow down to make sure the staff is getting trained, 
But in the long term, once they can do it all on their own, which usually, you know, takes a little longer than you want it to, but once they can do that, like now you don't have to do that piece anymore and you can just review it, which takes a lot less time than doing it all from, from scratch. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so yeah, like having that delegation mindset of like what can we delegate um and one of the things i wrote down was they uh they mentioned the three bucket exercise the three bucket tool divide your duties into three buckets the keep the delegate one day and the delegate now and then even for your team members to add a fourth bucket of things i would like to add to my plate um i think that's a good idea and something we should probably do of like yeah even even though it's just the two of us right now like the the delegate one day i think would be a good uh good idea to go over just because then that can also drive okay if we make another hire what are we looking for and that delegate now or that delegate right. one day could be a good driver of like okay this is the type of experience we're looking for yeah um so on that note um my one of my takeaways was the swift hand handoff is typically better um so he was talking about it from a seller's perspective the quicker you can hand off your business to the uh, the next person and get uh get hands off completely the better yeah. but that probably goes to delegation without selling your business of delegation of tasks as well the, sure. the the less amount of time in which you linger and yeah. really get in the way of the other person learning and making the mistakes that they need to make to learn, uh, the mm-hmm. better. And, um, yeah. And, uh, is your firm owner dependent? So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so the more, the more hands-on I am, um, it can, it can cut the other way of like, Oh, just let me do it. Or, you know, not letting someone truly go through the process if you're sitting there the whole time, like that's not, they're not truly doing it on themselves. Sure. Um, so something we've started doing, we probably could do a little more of, um, but recording a video during the training session yeah, so that we can, um, so that, you know, you can like, if it's a task that I've been doing forever, I'm most likely going to go through it super fast. Um, mm-hmm. but you're able to re, um, to, go back to that video and watch it in slow motion, pause, uh, yeah. stop the video, however you want. Um, and then we can also iterate off of that. If that causes questions, we can add questions to the video or whatever um, and uh, make it better for if you hand it off to somebody else. Um, sure. So uh, I think that's some one way to make yeah. a swift handoff is just documenting your your processes processes. and and as you said we've already done that a few times uh ourselves you know peyton has uh you know he'll he'll have me on a zoom call but he'll share a screen and record a video and you know for things that i'll be doing in the future without him and you know multiple times i've gone back and watched these videos and yeah as you said just kind of pause like wait what do you do here what was the formula um Mm -hmm. and uh it's been very helpful yeah, and I I think uh, if you can put it in video format, that 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 also be be preferred. Uh, you know, a written memo, you know, on Microsoft Word is great, but you know, actually seeing it in front of your face, 
uh, is very helpful. Yeah. And yeah, that's probably when we get to the follow-up on the actions, that's probably something we need to do even more of is uh, get to a point where we're videoing a lot of our processes and indexing them to where they're yeah. easily accessible. Um, even once you've mastered it for the next sure. person. Yeah. S set up a little library. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Both internal and external. That's something we could do for our clients. If there's certain, like, you know, maybe walk through the client portal of what to look, expect whenever you see the client portal, like this will be a little intro video. Like we could do stuff like that too. Yeah. All right. Third, third and final takeaway from you. All right. Let's see here. <clears throat> think we touched on a few few of my items that I've written down. All right, we'll do uh just do it. And that is uh, do it meaning unplug. Mm -hmm. And so this is more of kind of uh just life advice in general. Um you know, if, if you need to set up your firm to the point where yeah, it's not owner dependent and you can actually unplug for a week or maybe two weeks where you can have trust in your staff that you can go on vacation for a week, not have to bring your computer, not have to be checking your email or your cell phone nonstop. And you have that trust in your staff to basically take over the firm for a week or two and everything's going to be just fine. And so, so that is also, you know, when we talk about putting in internal processes, you know, setting this vision, that's kind of where as an owner, you want to get to, uh, is setting up your firm to basically, you know, operate seamlessly without you there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the, I think the idea in the book was to take vacations as a test of whether your firm's owner dependent or not, which I think that's a, yeah, it's a good low leverage way of, Hey, I'm going to be gone for a week. Does everything catch on fire while I'm gone? Um, yeah, in a way to kind of and, step out while also enjoying that step out, <laughs> and, and and also communicate with your clients several yes. weeks in advance is is a good uh, good practice because they know you won't be there. So just in case you know something hits the fan over you know at their business, they're not they're not going to be hounding you, or or you know if they have something that they know is coming down the pipeline, they can let you know several weeks in advance what's mm -hmm. what's going on. So, yep. Um, the last one I have is, uh, know your worth. Um, so one of the big things in accounting and a lot of industries is the idea of, uh, billing on billable hours, um, which is just a trade of dollar for an hour versus what you're actually worth, um, and the value that you're bringing to a client. Um, and one of the things I don't know if it was in this book or somewhere else, but I, I liked it. The That clients are service sensitive, not price sensitive. So if you're giving good service, people are going to be willing to pay for that versus um, the other thing I don't like about the dollar pay by the hour or whatever mm -hmm. is uh, if I happen to, for whatever reason, have to spend a lot more time in one month than the next, like, it's a surprise bill for them. Yeah. Um, and also like, it's not like, it's just not, it's just not fair to anybody. I think sure with it, with the value pricing, what we typically do is a subscription based price of this is what we're going to charge for this level of service. 
uh, we'll set it up on a monthly draw. Um, so then we don't have to worry about billing you, you know what to expect in terms of what our costs are going to be. Um, and it allows for that, um, everybody to know what to expect versus, oh, well, sure. this weird thing happened this month. So now I have to p- bill three times what I typically bill. Um, yes. hope you have the money. Um, hope you planned for me to be three times more expensive this month. It just allows us to smooth it out. It also allows us on our end, um, you know, as we become more efficient, it becomes more profitable for us. So yeah. it in- incentivize, uh, incentivizes us to get better at our jobs. Yeah. Now, um, it, is there ever a situation when you would consider billing more? You know, you see this in public accounting a lot where, mm-hmm. you know, it might be a flat $15,000 fee, but, you know, we go, you know, triple, triple the hours budget. And suddenly the partner at the firm is going, oh, shoot, you know, we need to, we should probably bill more for some of this stuff. Are, are there any situations where you consider that? For sure. I think like when the scope changes, when a like a big project yeah. that wasn't discussed comes pops up or, um, you know, if if a company's grown over a period of time, you reassess the fee that's being charged on a monthly basis. So, yeah, there is times where the fee needs to be adjusted uh, due to whatever circumstances are happening. Um, but, you know, the idea of hoping, you know, the ebbs and flows of what's happening on any given month it's just hard to predict how long it's going to take um and clients nor the business should suffer because of that unpredictability yeah you're right i also marked under this one the if you're losing 50 if you aren't losing 50 percent of your proposals you're probably not close to being priced correctly so i also had that one as well um right were there any other takeaways i had a couple um the first one you mentioned I had one kind of like that is yeah. just perspe- the idea of perspective of thinking uh, about your business from the lenses of a buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can yeah. do that in any sort of way or also thinking of your business in the uh, from the lens of your customer and the yeah. customer experience and just thinking about things through a different perspective rather than just from the business owner's perspective. Yeah, I, I think yeah. one other small thing I had was it was kind of like it's it's not it's best not to be specialized uh, from the buyer's perspective. So you know you're not tied like say you're in a cloud firm. Uh, you have a cloud firm. You're not tied to a specific region or location mm-hmm. uh, or industry. You know, um, mm-hmm. while while people do like, I think there are some clients out there that do like having a firm that specializes in what they do. Mm-hmm. But but uh, from 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 a buyer's perspective. Uh, if it's not specialized, it's probably better for them. Yeah. Yeah. I actually made a note of specializing can be both good and bad. It can be a lucrative (laughs) business, but it also decreases your buyer pool. And especially if you're basing that specialty just around you and you sell and you aren't there anymore, that's Mm -hmm. a, that's an issue when it comes to selling. Um, so that is something to think about, um, in terms of specialties, um, Especially yeah, like yeah. if you get like, I, when I think of specialty, I don't think of like an specific to an industry. I think more of like, I'm really good at this specific tax rebate thing, <laughs> like so niche yeah. down that no one else knows how to do it. Sure. Um, yeah. Whereas like, if you generally build your practice around like 
nonprofits is what we're uh, kind of aiming for right now. Like everybody on the team should be well-versed in nonprofits. Right. Um, so that's different than you knowing the specific tax code for this one tax related thing item. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I did, I did make a note of specializing cuts both ways. It really does. <laughs> yeah. And the other, the other theme that I saw too was little wins can build momentum and lead to larger wins. So get the, get the, uh, get the low hanging fruit and uh, let that build over time. It's kind of the old Dave Ramsey snowball method of like, you just got to oh, get sure. the snowball rolling <laughs> down the hill and it'll grow and grow old compounding gains um yeah uh, idea now I, I would also say eventually down the road i think uh the book also mentions you know don't be afraid to let a client go yes like after you've had that momentum in the snowball builds you know so, some of those some of that low-hanging fruit that's you know maybe not quite worth your time mm-hmm. um you know I think he even said, you know, see if you want to, you know, experiment a little bit, raise, mm-hmm. raise the prices. And if they say no, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, instead of the mindset more of more is better, think what can I cut? And that goes for either tasks or clients. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's a, I think, especially when you're starting out, you're like, why would you ever? <laughs> And then you get going yeah. for a while and you're like, uh, okay. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I think after a while you kind of develop a sense of, uh, you know, you know, who are my VIP clients that I really want to make happy. And then there's yeah. everyone else that's kind of like, uh, you know, are, are, are they worth my time right now you right. Know, for, for, for what we're doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And if you're currently working for us, working with us, yes, you are worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we haven't reached that stage yet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um so any any other takeaways you had uh before we go over what actions we potentially will be taking from, from the no, book? I, I think we hit all of my all the main points I had yeah. down. So which was quite it, a lot considering it was a, lot, it was a, a lot 58 of, page book or whatever. Very short book, very, you know, a lot of good info there. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was uh it was short and punchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what actions are we going to take away? Um I think for me one of the things is to build out our systems and processes more. So that includes recording videos, um, you know, really documenting, getting our uh getting our internal systems in a way that are really working we just we just implemented a new software and making sure that's up to you know where everybody we're both on the same page of what exactly we need to do and getting those checklists and everything like that to the right place so i think that's one that i really want um to focus on is getting those systems and processes in place to make things easier on us and also so we know there's expectations um in terms of like we download anything that's in our heads. So if, if, if we do something on a monthly basis, it should be documented somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the action steps I had had written down was automate as much as you can. 
Mm-hmm. And that 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 even includes something as simple as you know creating a a rule on QuickBooks. You know, basically, you know, you know, anyone familiar with QuickBooks, uh, you have to code everything that comes through the banking feed, and the less time you can spend on transaction coding or you know anything like that will be very helpful mm-hmm. in the long run. So automate as much as you can. Also, you know, the documenting. Uh, documenting everything you do, whether it's in a memo form or even probably more preferable video form, mm-hmm. um, would be extremely helpful, not only for a potential buyer, but also for you. <laughs> so For me, for, for you, for, you know, if we bring on staff, like to have a video library to be like, here's, here's videos. Um, let us know if you have any questions, um, yeah. And, you know, just getting that version one out there so we can make improvements over time as well. Cause like oh, definitely. when you start a business, you got nothing in terms of like processes and, and documentation and just like, you got to start somewhere. And so it's kind of a huge mountain to climb when you're looking at it, but then you're like, okay, just need to go a little bit at a time. Yeah. I don't need to get this all done in one sitting. Like just as I go, um, build it up so that it's uh, attractive to other people and also within your firm like they if 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 the people that are working with you enjoy the processes uh and understand them then it's probably you're probably in a good spot yeah absolutely any Um, other actions to take away from this um i didn't have any other items written down did you I have one more and that's to okay. do the three bucket tool exercise okay. of yeah. writing down the keeps the delegate one days and the delegate now. Um, that's more for me to be like, Hey, Steven can handle it. <laughs> and I just need to let go. I need to have a swift handoff <laughs> and listen to the book. Uh, cause it's hard to, it's hard to give up yeah. some stuff. Um, cause oh, you're like, for sure. oh, so I need to slow down to speed up is what uh, is another task I would like to set for myself. Yeah. Oh, that's a good goal. Yeah. So that's prepare your CPA firm for a sale, how to reduce owner hours, increase profitability and transform your practice by Brandon Poe. Well, Byrne, have you been reading anything else? Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I read a little bit of fiction and nonfiction. Mm-hmm both uh i i just finished uh can't hurt me it's an autobiography by david goggins now it's it, it's very explicit it has you're gonna go run language. through a wall so it, it does make you want to run through a wall but i would say if if the bad language uh concerns you there is a clean <laughs> so, there is <laughs> there is i, I did think. not know that uh at least i think there there might be like an uh you know audiobook that is, is clean at least but uh. Is it, it kind of it, like a rap song where it just like <laughs> you start beeping it out and you're I, like, what are they even saying? I I don't. They, they might have done that. I actually don't know. I I read the explicit version, but I did read that there is a clean clean version. But That's yeah, funny. it's basically his his life story, and it's very motivating, especially if you want to go, you know, run marathons or yeah, you know, join the Marines or something. You take anybody's soul <laughs> lately? No, not lately. I haven't no. taken any souls, but yeah. Um, and then in the in the uh, spirit of October and you know Halloween season, I got a uh, 
a book I'm reading called Devolution by Max Brooks. It's it's basically like a, a found diary, you know, like the movies have found footage. Yeah. Uh, movies. This is a found diary about a uh, a Bigfoot encounter in okay. the, in the Pacific Northwest. So that's my October uh, spooky reading there. <laughs> I just ignore spooky season. I am a big scaredy cat, so I tend to ignore anything remotely scary um yeah so what do you have the the book i just finished was called the cat who saved books oh so there's a challenge (laughs) at the library and one of the one of the topics there's 20 different categories and you have to read a book from each category and one of them was read a book with a cat on the cover oh um (laughs) so i just picked this random one um it's a japanese book and it's somewhat of a um um, this is why books are special book yeah. um, it's kind of the plot line of like books have souls and <laughs> they teach you things and we don't need to speed read books like what's the point and things like that how, how long is this book it was only it was 200 pages it oh was, wow okay yeah. um but a a a boy whose grandfather dies goes on adventures with a cat to go save books. A talking right. cat. You know, it's funny because the title alone makes it sound like it's like a ten-page like kids book, and it's like, oh wow, it's a two hundred-page novel. No, it, it's a it's a legitimate book. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just finished that. Um, I also read or listened to "Die with Zero: Getting All You Can from Your Money and Your Life" by Bill Perkins. Which was an interesting one. It, the The theme there is uh, essentially, uh, you should you should aim to die with zero dollars left in your bank account, uh, and you should maximize for the uh, experiences in your life while you have the health yeah. to do so. So instead of saving all this money for retirement and for when you're 70 and 80 and may not be able to use it for the fun things that you'd hope to use it for because you're 70 or 80, uh, to use that money now and to not worry as much about the future and savings funds, which I somewhat agree, but I'm also risk averse. So I somewhat disagree. (laughs) Uh, um, uh, it's complicated. I like the overall themes though of, um, to not of, not go so hard on on saving that you uh, suffer is not the right word, but deprecate yourself from other things. Sure, well, you can't take all these things to the grave with you, so might as well right. use it now. <laughs> yes, um, I'm trying to find a book. Okay, here's a. This may be a spoiler to the cat who saves books, but I like okay. the quote. Um, <laughs> books can give us knowledge, wisdom, values, a view of the world, and so much more. The joy of learning something you didn't know before and seeing things in a whole new way is exciting. But somehow I believe they gave us something more important than that. Then, um, I think the power of books is that they teach us to care about others. It's a power that gives people courage also supports them in turn empathy is that's the power of books and there have been studies showed that uh if you read if you read um i don't know if it's just fiction or if it's just reading in general 
that your empathy increases because you get different perspectives from different people and you learn learn more about how to think through another person's point of view sure and and that could be the writer or even you know the characters the writers you know put on paper right so i guess i would venture to guess it would be all types of books yeah so are you reading anything right now you said you said the um what is it called Devolution. Yeah, it's called Devolutions by Max Brooks. He, he's also the writer of World War Z, if anyone's familiar okay. with that. It, it became a movie uh, with yeah. like Brad Pitt or Brad someone. Brad Pitt was in it. Uh, uh, I missed that so... one. Again, <laughs> Scaredy Cat. So he, uh, yeah, th- those are the only two books I, I know he's written is World War Z and Devolution. And okay. so I'm I'm reading this one. Uh, so I, I, I get in the kind of uh, uh, scary story mood when October hits. So Fair enough. Here we are. <laughs> so I typically read two books at the same time because um, I'm crazy. Um, typically a fiction and a nonfiction. Uh, so my fiction book is called The Brothers Hawthorne, which is a young adult novel. Uh, um, and it's in the Inheritance Games uh, series. Okay. Um, I think mostly young adult females read this but i enjoyed the first three novels so hey there, um, there's so many people hate on uh you know ya novels and honestly i think they're great yeah they've got such fun stories <laughs> okay so for me like you have puzzles i'm in like if a book is like a kind of a treasure hunt type thing yeah. i'm in and that's pretty much all what all the books are and like um yeah so i was <laughs> hook line and sinker on the uh I could, I could, I could do away with some of the love story stuff. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Oh, sure, Get sure. back to the puzzles. The uh, um, and there's a lot yeah. of teenage <laughs> angst, uh, but otherwise, I really enjoyed the books. And so this is the fourth one, and it just came out um, a month or two ago. So I'm, I finally got it on uh, from the library. <laughs> finally, right. it's finally my turn in line. Um, <laughs> and then the fiction nonfiction book I'm reading is Outlived: The Science of an art of longevity by Peter Atia. Um, and it's about health span versus lifespan and kind of that same along those same lines of the die with zero of, uh, except maximizing your health span. So living deep into your life with good health and longevity versus just living into your deep into your life without that. Um, All right. so I just started those books, so I don't really okay. have much commentary on them maybe um, yeah we'll we'll follow, we'll follow up, up next uh, time next next podcast episode yeah and next podcast episode we plan on uh going through deep work by cal newport which is a longer book than 50 pages so we'll see yeah. how it goes no I'm, I'm looking forward to it so yeah cal newport is a as i told o'burn cal to understand a lot of the ways uh, a lot about how i think about things in the world like social media and work productivity and things like that, you have to understand Count Newport. So this will be our first dive into his, his, uh, his work. And yeah, uh, and yeah. I'm not familiar with Cal Newport at all. So this is going to be, this well, be this fun. is what you need to know. He's yeah. a huge nationals fan. So there you oh, go. <laughs> all right. And, and we're we're huge Rangers fans. So. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is funny. He'll bring up on the podcast occasionally, like, um, he'll start talking about 
the nationals and like becoming a sports podcast instead. And he's like, I get so many emails to stop baseball talk. <laughs> and they're like, like 30 seconds of him joking around about it. But yeah, just 30 seconds that people can't handle. Yeah. They're like, oh, I need to be more productive. Stop talking about baseball. Give me the answers. Or or maybe it's just, they're all just all Astros fans still remembering that one World Series. So. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope the Astros fans remember this series for a bad reason. So hopefully, but it's not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Go Rangers. All right. Anything else? No. Uh yeah. Uh just looking for forward to the next book. Yeah. So yeah, next yeah. time we'll we'll go over a new book we'll talk about what we're reading again uh and then we'll also follow up and see if we actually did the things that we said we would do um so that'll be fun or at least a little bit of progress yeah keep keep so. me keep, keep us accountable um yeah if you would like to get in contact with us you can get in contact with us at contact at mmosis.com i don't even know if i'm publishing this or not but might as well throw that in there right Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to now stop the recording. Bye.